Testament, of course. Uh, but I uh, just wanted to kind of give you some thoughts about how to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, a couple of quick announcements. Um, I do have the second quarter for my yacht fund. So I, I will leave here uh, if I'm just, if that's all I get uh, for the week, I leave here with a healthy start to my yacht. 50 cents, 50 cents. So I'm really good. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. So uh, I got my button. I, I love my button. I can't, I'm going to wear this all day. So I'm going to wear it when I preach tonight, probably. All right. Um, man, uh, I got one more day. It's, it's sad. It really is sad. I woke up like, <sighs> you know, because my wife, we always do this, you know, hey, now we get to say see you tomorrow. And so we're excited about tomorrow, but we're kind of sad about today. So um, uh, sad about tonight. But we're, we just love you guys. And um, uh, I woke up this morning. My So the mechanic, so we had to take my daughter's car. Uh, she's heading to. <coughs> uh, and um, so she's heading there uh, in la- next week. And we had to take uh, the car. It's a little Nissan Sentra. And so uh, lots and lots of little issues, but we thought it was going to be okay. Uh, <laughs> so the mechanic calls us right at like at 10 o'clock. My voice is still a little bit shaky, and I'm trying to, we're talking, and, and uh, I'm talking to him, and uh, he gives me the laundry list of what needs to happen before we can safely. And he's a dad, so he knows about taking, sending his daughter on a 16-hour trip over across, you know, the country. And uh, so at the end of the tally, I'm sitting here thinking the, the imaginary cast register is ching, 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 ching. And so finally, he, uh, I actually hear him on the, like his calculator or something. And he says, yeah, that will be about $1,600. So we are going to pay about $100 an hour for that trip. So it's going to say $1,600 to fix everything to make sure it's a good, safe car, not just for the ride. But but so she can have it for uh, we hope the next few years of law school. So so that was my fun excitement this morning. It's like okay, his name was uh, Terry. Pray for Terry. Um, but um, great guy, great mechanic, and uh, we'll be heading out next week to um, there. So all right, <laughs> Massachusetts. I just gonna, that's all I say is Massachusetts. I can't. I don't do the ch. All right. Um, so let me start with. Um, with a conference that I went to back in March. Is it March this year? Yeah, March of this year, a conference. I won't say the name of the conference. Not that it's a bad. It's, a, it's actually a really good conference. It's a really large conference. Like, it's probably the largest conference of its kind in, um, uh, in, in America in church growth and uh, helping churches, again, grow and multiply. And, and so I'm blessed in Indiana to lead about 80 pastors and 80 churches in something called multiplication. And so the multiplication uh, 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 ministry that we do, uh, it's, uh, it's looking at the multiplier. So the, the way to multiply a church is to understand the multiplier, and the multiplier is the Holy Spirit. And so for the last four years, five years, uh, Firmer's Chapel has been, the, uh, uh, been blessed to help lead that. And so uh, this year in March, I was asked to help lead the 80 pastors to go to whoever could. And I think about 30 or 35 pastors that were able to go to this conference in Florida. So I'm not a fan of Florida. You all can be. I'm not. I don't like, I don't like sand. I just don't like sand. You know what sand does? Get everywhere. I just, uh, so, so I just don't like sand. Never have liked sand. And so a uh, year as a, just as a kid, just didn't like sand. So don't bury me in the sand. Ugh. The soap now, the soap was, I was about ready to jump into that soap. You all see the soap stuff? That was a, that was fun. That that I would have yeah, I would have jumped into that, but um, so we went to Florida, Orlando for a week, uh, leading about thirty pastors, 
And um, so this conference has like a nine-year cycle. So the first year, so every, uh, every other year for nine years, they have a certain topic that they teach on. And this year, boom, was the Holy Spirit. Yes. So let's go. Okay, let's go. We're going to have fun. And uh, again, so this campus, oh, my gosh, <laughs> it swallowed up. It, like, it didn't swallow up the church. It swallowed up most counties and most communities that I know of. I took a taxi cab, true story, took a taxi cab from one end of the campus to the far end of the campus, 20 minutes. 20-minute taxi cab from one end of the campus of this church to the other. 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I kept asking the dude, the guy was from Haiti and had a great conversation. And um, his wife had been struck with lightning by six times or something, like five, six times. I'm thinking, she needs to go inside or something. I don't know. I don't know what's, I mean, he was telling me this story like, what? Yeah, she'd been struck five times. Like, okay. <laughs> so anyway, so but we take we take the taxi cab all the way across campus, and um, and so all week long we're teaching on they're teaching on the Holy Spirit, and uh, again, please please hear in this all grace and all humility. I kind of felt like we kind of just barely, barely, barely touched on the Holy Spirit, and uh, it just felt kind of. A little bit lacking. The, 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 tr the services were great. Music was off the hook. Uh, 20,000 people, I think, 20,000 people were there. And so large conference. So I, I didn't feel like, though, that we kind of pushed a whole lot in that. And uh, uh, in, in just biblical teaching of the Holy Spirit as he uh, uses uh, the church and as he wants to use us. Uh, and so I came home uh, Thursday. I think it was Sunday to Thursday. So Friday, no, Saturday. Uh, and I had seen a lot of people from Corden, Indiana there, several of my pastor friends, including a fellow named Chuck. I said, hey, Chuck, we, uh, you know, we, uh, we see, yeah, Chuck, yeah, Chuck. Not Chuck, but the other Chuck, uh, the Chuck that doesn't look anything like Chuck. But um, so Chuck uh, and, uh, is a friend of mine in Corden. He's a pastor of a Wesleyan church, I think it is, or, uh, or some, uh, another denomination, great guy. And we've done a few ministries together over the last 15 years or so. So we see each other at a mutual retirement party, a retirement party for a mutual friend. And so um, uh, we're standing in line for pulled pork or something, and we're standing there. It wasn't brisket, but pulled pork, and we're standing there. And uh, we said, hey, how was, uh, yeah, saw you, saw you in Florida, uh, briefly passing, waved at you, you know, across campus, and uh, 20 miles later. And um, we, um, how was the conference? And, and Chuck said, you know, I loved it. I've been a part of uh, this ministry for almost 16 years. He's been a part of cohorts and leadership training and all the different things he had been a part of. And uh, I said, well, that's my first year. My first year going, love the music, uh, in incredible worship, uh, love, love, you know, just it was good. And he said this. He said, the only thing I probably had a problem with is they talked way, way too much on the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to think. We did go to the same conference. I saw you. It was, it was like that was the theme, exactly. That was the theme. And um, so I, that was it. We just, I didn't go there. I didn't, I didn't kind of like, you know, I didn't, you know. So as pastors, you learn at, to practice your, your face, you know. You can't like, that's not good for pastors when people are telling them things, you know. Like, you just can't. You just kind of like, this is what you learned. Jimmy, you got it, man. You got, Jimmy's got it. Look at it. So, so. So anyways, I'm like, okay, and I go on with my pulled pork and, and my retirement party and punch and all that. But the next morning, Sunday morning, 
I go out for a run every morning, uh, early early in the morning, and uh, go out for a run Sunday mornings. And as I came back, I felt like the that's when I felt like the Lord said. I felt like still praying into this. This was back in March. Felt like the Lord said, "This is why I want you for the rest of your life to teach on the person and the power of the Holy Spirit." That's that's why that's why I felt like I heard in my season of life. That as now, it's kind of interesting, you know, we have an uh, executive pastor. He'd been an associate pastor. He's been, uh, this year, he's transitioning to executive pastor. As I told you, Tyler, um, uh, I'm going to be stepping back out of all the kind of the day-to-day operations at Firmers Chapel, which is a lot of day-to-day operations. But uh, I get to step out of that and get to do more this. And I think the reason is, I think there's a vast array of where people are. With the Holy Spirit. And so my job, my, my privilege is not to tell people what I think, because I could be wrong. But to at least engage in conversation about who is he and what does he do. Does that make sense? And so that's just my heart. And uh, so that's really, and I appreciate prayers. Uh, just as you appreciate prayers, I appreciate your prayers as we kind of walk into this. Uh, the Joshua Center is going to be the vehicle through which we do a lot of that ministry. And um, just having fun talking and engaging, um, again, not trying to push uh, a certain theology or push a certain point, uh, trying to be sound. Really, the thing to pray about is sound biblical. We just want to be sound biblical. That's it. We just want to be sound biblical. That's all we want to do. We want to make sure that we are discerning the truth and really kind of making sure that we're understanding what the word says about the role of the Holy Spirit in the person. And so. From that, last thing I'll say about this, the la- uh, as we were praying through that, uh, so the Lord, so I'm former journalist, uh, former editor. Um, the thing about being an editor, I, I didn't write a lot. Uh, I, I was an editor, so I led people and, and directed the newsroom and all that. So I did write, and, and uh, at the time, I, I, was, I could write decent. I sure could write. I could write a whole lot better than I could speak. I think that's still true. I, don't, I, I, I still think I, I'm not the I'm not a very good speaker. I just, I think I know what God does through me, praise God, but I just know, and that's back back in the past and all that, of course, but so all that to say, so the Lord last year put on my heart to write a book, and the book's name is Church by the Creek, Flowing in the Spirit, and so I, it's a 10-chapter book. I have seven chapters done, and uh, that will be um, uh, hitting uh, the New York Times bestseller list soon. So, so I never thought the Lord would have me write a book. I really didn't. Guys, this is like, so far, I really did go into ministry because I was in love with Jesus, and I just wanted people to know about Jesus. That's all. That I didn't go into ministry for any other purpose. I didn't go into, uh, I just, I'd had my fill of being promoted and, and, and all that, uh, uh, you know, uh, raising, rising up the ladder. I just was so tired of that. I just want people to know the love and the power of Jesus. That's all I want. So to, to, to write a book is a little daunting, even for someone who used to write or, I guess, uh, be in the newspaper. Because people say, well, you're in the newspaper business. You can write. I didn't do a lot of writing. <laughs> so, so this is kind of hard. But in March, this conference, this run, the next book the Lord put on my heart is simply called The Person and the Power. And we're going to look at the intimacy and the activity of the Holy Spirit. Person means intimately. 
We want you to know the intimacy of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if, if you know the activity of the Holy Spirit, but you don't know the intimacy of the Holy Spirit, then we're going to guess that you probably missed the mark. Amen? We're going to look at John 15 here in just a second about, about abiding. And uh, so if you're abiding with Jesus, you must be abiding uh, with the Father. And if you're abiding with the Father and with the Son, you must be abiding with the Holy Spirit. And so we want you to understand that intimacy must come before, I believe, intimacy must really come either before or in dual tandem with, with activity. So person and the power. Uh, so the Lord, uh, uh, the Lord took, uh, uh, put that book on my heart, and uh, I said, really? <laughs> really? So we're working on that. So just let you know kind of where we are and kind of my heart and as we teach uh, about the person and the power. So, all right. So we're going to wrap up the fruit, and then we're going to jump into that five-page manifesto that you have, and we'll just take a quick, we'll just take a quick look at it. Uh, that's for you to take home and, and uh, kind of uh, explore and, and use in any way or shape or form uh, for, your, um, for your own purposes. So, all right, so let's look at fruit. We looked at gifts a little bit yesterday. We did not, and this is not all-inclusive, of course, and you know this. There's a whole lot more. We could spend, um, there's, a, there's a session we do. So, uh, in, for instance, uh, in the Joshua Center, I want to say two years ago, three years ago, we did an entire year on prophecy. We did a whole year teaching on what is prophecy. Because if you look at 2 Corinthians 14, 1, and you understand that to possibly mean the church, not just in that time, but beyond that time, it says eagerly desire the gift of what? Prophecy. Well, what is that? What is that? Now, I think it's been abused. I also think it's supposed to be good, used well. And uh, I think there's this line that we're supposed to kind of walk, this middle solid ground that we're supposed to, a friend of mine calls it the ridge line. There's like a valley boom and there's a valley boom and it kind of rises up and, and it forms a ridge line. You don't want to fall into too many places here. You don't want to fall into too many places here. You don't want to ignore the Holy Spirit. You don't want to abuse the Holy Spirit. You want to walk on the ridge line of the Holy Spirit. You want to walk in this biblical truth. That's what, again, that's what my understanding is. And I think that just kind of fits my personality. And, and, and um, I think that fits, I think, the gracious humility of, of, of where we're supposed to walk as, as, um, as we learn about this together. So, so we could spend a whole lot more time on gifts, but uh, we're going to look at fruit. So Matthew 7 is where kind of Jesus introduces this concept of fruit. Matthew 7, 15 through 20, he's talking about trees and fruits. Uh, I remember when Pam and I were up here in Michigan, we started our life together. We fell in love with cherries, cherries, yeah. And um, we found, uh, so uh, when we first, my first year of being married, I made it a goal. I felt like the Holy Spirit of the living God said, your goal is to test every cherry shake you can in all of America. I felt like that was from God himself. Anyway, so... Uh, so every place we went, I got a cherry shake. I got, I don't, know, I don't even, but I, I fell in love with Michigan cherries. So, man, uh, just love, love, love Michigan cherries. So, so this is a great analogy. Uh, 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 Israel, of course, being so agriculturally uh, inclined. Everybody knew this. They, the hearers knew when people heard what Jesus was teaching, they got it pretty quickly. So beware of false prophets, verse 15, Matthew 7, who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. That's a shame, but it's true. There are false prophets still among us, false teachers, false leaders uh, all among us, and we just have to have discernment. One of the best prayers, I think, in the world is asking the Holy Spirit to give you sharper discernment. Um, you can identify them by their fruit. How? Their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? 
again, the, uh, uh, the understood answer is what? No. A good tree produces what? A bad tree produces? A good tree can't produce bad fruit. I love how Jesus takes the opposite. And so he just, he, he just postulated the positive, and now he's going to postulate the negative. He's going to like, here's the positive, here's the negative, just so we get it, right? I, lo- I love that kind of teaching because sometimes I need, I need a whole lot of help on that and understand. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that doesn't produce good fruit, rut row, is what? Cut down and thrown into the fire. Um, some scholars would debate whether that means hell or not. Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't really done a ton of study on whether or not that means thrown into the fire. It could. It could mean that. Uh, or it could mean uh, punishment of some kind. But whatever the case, it's not good to be a tree that doesn't produce good fruit. We know that. It's just not good to be a tree that produces good fruit. And you remember that time when Jesus is walking with his disciples? And this is near the end of his life, right? And he's walking past what? A fig tree. And the fig tree is in leaf. Now, I don't know much about figs until I went to the Holy Land and listened to people there teach. Um, A fig tree, when it produces leaves, is supposed to produce fruit pretty quickly after that. Well, this fig tree apparently had leaves that advertised what? Fruit. But it had what? None. Nothing. And so here's Jesus kind of, can you imagine the disciples? We got lots to do. I think this is right after the triumphal entry, right? Right after the triumphal entry. This is the last week of his life. And Jesus kind of goes off on a fig tree. Right, Nicole? I mean, it's just kind of weird. I curse you. You shall never produce fruit as long as you live. Like, I think, like, the, the boys are like, Jesus having a bad day. I don't know, something. He's, he woke up a little, but whatever, but. But what he's saying is this. I think it's real. If we're not producing fruit and we say that we are saved, something is really wrong. Really wrong. Doesn't that, does that make sense? Is that, is that fair? So, so fruitless Christians, there's no such thing. And, and we're going to go to John 15 next. Uh, John 15 talks about what? Because we'll finish up Matthew 7, but just simply says, yes, just again, he comes back again. You, just as you can identify tree by its fruit, he wraps it all together. You can identify what? Last part of verse 20. You can identify people by their actions or people by their fruit. So just as you, just as you don't, you're not going to go to an apple orchard to pick Michigan cherries. Are you? You're not going to show up in an apple orchard and say, hey, where are your best cherries? And they're going to say, down the road? Right? What? Traverse City. Yeah, we've been there. We, we were at Traverse We remember Traverse City cherries. So anyway, so, so we just have to know that fruit's a big deal. And, and I love the gifts. I love the gifts. Um, crazy, crazy, crazy gift that I feel like the Lord gave me. Um, and it's scary, freaky scary, uh, because I don't advertise this a whole lot at all. I don't advertise at all. But I just tell you this because I love gifts. I, there's nothing about the gifts that I don't love. I want to be biblical in those gifts. I want to be sound in those gifts. I want to operate in love and ma- maturity and humility in those gifts. Amen? First Corinthians 13, the, the heart of this. But uh, I, I, I was given a gift of, I think, dream interpretation some some guy just a few years ago came and said hey can i tell you a dream i was having sure 
freaky as it is, I finished, I was able to finish the dream for him. I stopped and I was like, wait, this is weird. I know, can I, I think I have the rest of your dream. He's like, what you talking about? And so I did. And he's like, now after I told him, he said, what you talking about? <laughs> it's just weird. That's weird. And I felt like I was able to at least give him a piece of what maybe the Lord. So I don't know where that goes. I don't know. That's only happened a few times, but it was just weird. But you know who doesn't know how to interpret dreams? Tim Johnson. Oh, yeah, Satan, too. And but but I'm talking about I mean, I can't interpret dreams. You know who can the Holy Spirit. So, again, the Holy Spirit, I love gifts. But again, fruit is I think we're really just we just really want to focus on the fruit, on the fruit, the fruit, the fruit. So John 15. And once again, John 15 uh, talks about y'all know. So anybody want to give like there's a couple of two, three key words in John 15. Y'all know John 15. Y'all we're not going to read the whole passage, but y'all know kind of the key words. What's what's a key word? Somebody give me one key word from John 15. What is it? I am. What else? What is it? Find the, the vine, the branches, right? What else? Abide. Fruit. Frutos. See, I can't, I am bilingual. Frutos. Isn't that Spanish for fruit? Frutos. Anyway, so you just add an O. Taco, burrito, hot doggo. So anyway, so that's an old joke right there. That's an old, that is an old dad joke. So, um, huh? Cheerio. Cheerio. That's British Spanish. Cheerio. No, anyway, so we so divert. We should come back, come back. Okay. So, so yeah, John 15 is about abiding. It's hanging out, being with. So again, if the, if the book is, and that the Lord put this on my book, uh, on my heart is if the book is is real, and, and I think it is. I think it's the Holy Spirit. I'm still praying into that and trying to figure out what that looks like. But if we start with intimacy, the person, then that doesn't that make biblical sense? You need to start with hanging out with the Holy Spirit, knowing the Holy Spirit, developing a relationship. We have a, and you'll see this at the very, very last. I think it's the very last statement on your on that big handout, that four or five page handout, or three or whatever they may have done front and back, so maybe a three page handout. But the very last statement. Is kind of some of the things that we've kind of learned, and it's kind of our phrase at the Joshua Center here, is to learn how to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the person who is living within you. So if there is a person living in you, amen? If there is a person, come on, if there is a what? A person, if there's a living, breathing, active person living in you, shouldn't it behoove us? to develop a deep and profound and cultivate, work it out, a deep and profound relationship with the person. Amen? Wouldn't that just make sense, right? And we see enough of this in Scripture to know that's exactly what God wants us to do because the Holy Spirit is going to point us to Jesus. Jesus is going to point us to the Father. The Father is going to point us back to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And it's just this beautiful, beautiful unity of the Trinity. You know, we already know this, that Jesus didn't say anything and do anything that the Father didn't tell him. And the Holy Spirit's not going to do anything or say anything that Jesus isn't going to tell him. So if you want to do things that Jesus tells you to do and you want to know what Jesus is telling you, then you need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to remind you of everything that Jesus taught. Amen? That's all Bible. That's all Bible. And so that's not a whole lot of debate in that. I mean, you can debate how it works and how that happens and how we work on that. But I just know that John 15, you just said it, abide and, and cultivate and vine and branches and together and fruit, 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 fruit. Because in a couple of these verses, right, how much fruit? So look at verse 5. Look at verse 5 first. It says, um, uh, actually, if you, uh, yeah, we'll go to verse 5 first. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce what? How much? Thank you. Much fruit. Not just, I don't know how many, I don't know how many times you're going to go to a cherry orchard and the cherry orchard has, you get six cherries and you're there for an hour because that's all you can find. You going to go back? No. You ain't going to go back. You're going to go to Traverse City. So, I mean, you're, you're just not going to go, you're just not going to, 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 to really, that's, that's not even like, that's false advertising. That's a fig tree, guys. False advertising fruit. I think it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal that if we say that we are saved by the blood of the Lamb of God and that we are spirit-filled, because every Christian is supposed to be spirit-filled. They ain't supposed to be a spirit-filled Christian and a non-spirit-filled Christian. It's supposed to be all spirit-filled. And if that's who we are, then we should be producing fruit. Not just fruit. It says much fruit. He goes on, you know, uh, unless a branch stays connected, back, gather up. Here's that fire analogy. I don't know exactly all that means. It may indeed mean Hades or hell or Sheol. Understand, whatever it means, you want to kind of stay away from this kind of fire. Amen? There's a fire of the Holy Spirit you want. There's a fire like this you don't want nothing to do with. Amen? Amen? Come on. We want to stay away from this fire. Whatever it means, we want to stay away from this fire. It's just everything about this fire is negative. Everything about this fire. So verse 8, somebody read verse 8 for us. Anybody, anybody? So on both sides, we got stereo. Great, it was stereo, so perfect. You produce much fruit when you're my true disciples. And this brings great glory or honor to my Father. So a true disciple of Jesus Christ is producing much fruit. And that fruit is going to give who glory? And, 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 and just, again, we just, we're going to go here in just a second because this, there's this abiding. And, yes, the abiding is the Father. The abiding is with Jesus. But the abiding really is also, uh, uh, in, in many ways, because of the person living within us, if we don't know that person, I think the abiding is less than. I really do. I think the abiding is less than when we do. Because the Holy Spirit's job is to get us closer and get us more in love with Jesus That's, and, and, and remind us of what Jesus says and, and all of that. And, and then the final piece about the fruit here is, which verse am I looking at? Um, well, I, I want to look at verse 11. I have told you these things so you will be filled with my joy. Anybody know the fruit of the Spirit? Love, peace, joy. Love, joy, yeah. Yeah, joy. And so your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other, right? No greater love. It goes on. I no longer call you slaves. And in the last one, verse 16, I went, yeah, verse 16, you didn't choose me. I, cho I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce what kind of fruit? Lasting fruit. So that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. This is the command the Lord has given. Love each other. All right. So then we go to Galatians. So here's the last part with fruit. And then we'll transition here and wrap up with how do you cultivate some just some ideas of cultivating. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on how do you cultivate a deep and profound relationship with a person living in you. That's kind of our, again, our kind of language. So let's go to Galatians 5. This is the classic passage, right? And it's kind of, it, it's interesting. We know it's the fruit of the Spirit, right? Even VeggieTales knows it's the fruit of the Spirit, right? We know that. Um, so 
now hear me, th this is the same principle. Again, just, just kind of, just one of the things I like to do and one of the things I think we need to do is just, and one of the things that's in that last handout you got today is to kind of help you challenge to think a little differently and just read through scripture just a little bit differently using the lens of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Um, I, I just don't think you're going to go wrong reading the scriptures with a real kind of now, now an eye and, an, and a kind of attentive view to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, there's just, if you do it rightly and we do it well and we do it biblically, you can't have enough of the Holy Spirit. You just can't because the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to Jesus and Jesus is going to lead you to the Father and you're going to be in, uh, in the, and this, this is going to just continue to, to move on and, mo and mo move on and, and continue to grow and mat uh, maturate in your life. So this is not called the fruit of Jesus. Right? It's fruit of the Spirit. So just by that language, who is in charge of producing this fruit in your life? Could, is this the fruit of Jesus? Yes. Could Jesus have rose from the dead himself? We talked about this last yesterday. Yes. But he didn't. Is that making sense? For whatever reason, Tom, the Holy Spirit woke Jesus up. And I think one of the reasons is because Jesus in his physical glorified body cannot, does not live in you as the second person. Jesus lives in you as the third person, his spirit. But his spirit is a person, a third person. Make sense? As much as it can make sense, it makes sense because, and again, this is 2,000-year-old orthodoxy. This is just orthodox faith. I read a great uh, devotion this morning from a dear friend of mine, J.D. Walt, and uh, he was in Tennessee, now he's in Texas. Um, great guy. He used to be the dean of chapel in Asbury, and he now leads something called Seedbed for New Room, and New Room is a, a community of, of folk who just want to learn more about the Holy Spirit in a very biblical way, and we meet together in, in a uh, in September. If you're interested, it's called newroom.org, I think, and you can check it out. And uh, they're actually, I want to say, um, uh, prices go up next week if you're interested in going. Um, um, I think it's, so this week would be good. If you want to go, it's in September. It's down in Tennessee. I'll be there and, and uh, blessed to help teach a class and help share some things. But um, so we're, um, so, so what, what he was saying today was orthodoxy is important because if we don't have orthodoxy, you know, so orthodoxy, ortho is kind of like right, and doxy is like study or, or understanding. So all it means is right study or right understanding. That's what orthodoxy means. And, uh, and so every one of us, I hope and pray, wants right study and right understanding. And that's what orthodoxy is. And so, again, this understanding of the Trinity at work. And so it's called the fruit of the Spirit, not because it's not connected to Jesus, but because the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to produce the fruit like this so that we can live like Jesus. Amen? 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 I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. You know, I like, I like engagement. Just make sure people are kind of tracking because I, I want to make it as simple as I can possibly can. And, and I'm still learning, but I just want to make sure that we're kind of guiding. So look at this. Let's, let's pick up at verse 16, Galatians 5. Let's let the word kind of guide us here and lead us here this morning as we talk about fruit. And we'll wrap up in just a few, uh, just a few here. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. 
Anybody remember the hoverboard? Say, anybody remember the hoverboard? I just want you to walk out, if you could walk out with any image, you know, Elijah on the hoverboard. I want that kind of life. Don't you? Don't you want that kind of life where it looked, did it look effortless? Weren't you glad it was him on there, not you? He said the hardest part, we, we had this little tutorial before, before he even got there, I think, uh, before we talked earlier and before the, the class. But you may, he may have even said this during the time, but I don't know if you caught it. The hardest thing is getting on. The hardest thing is getting on. The hardest thing sometimes about a true spirit-filled life is letting the Holy Spirit get on you. Remember, you the hoverboard. You the hoverboard with no power. You got nowhere to go. You ain't going to go nowhere without the Holy Spirit. And this is how God has purposed it. This is how God has ordained it. This is how God has, has instructed it, right? Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul writes to the church of Galatia, so I say to you, let the Holy Spirit take hold of your hoverboard. That's what my translation says, right? The PTV. All right, so you're like, what? So then you won't be doing, look at this now. And then, so pay attention to, and I know Paul wrote the book of Romans, but he also wrote the book of Galatians. And, but it's all under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, right? So look at this similar language. We saw this earlier this week with Romans as we looked at it in the evening time. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And look at this beautiful passage here. Look, this beautiful passage kind of now talking about, this is kind of like Romans 7 now. Look at this. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us a desire that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But, verse 18 starts with a but, and it's a good but. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. All of this is so similar language to Romans 6, 7, and 8. It's just, it's just, it just kind of pairs right back up, and it just kind of helps reiterate and rem remind us of what Paul is saying, where the, that if we try to be good, or if we try, and it even goes back to this idea of sin. If sin are the bad things you do, you can control some bad things. You can. You can change your habits. Non-Christians change habits all the time, guys. You don't need the Holy Spirit to change a habit. You can change the habit yourself. But you need the Holy Spirit to take the blood and wash the stain that you're born with. Amen? That's Psalms, that's Titus, and that's the gospel. Amen? So we got to get this out of this idea that sin. Now, is sin... Uh, does sin produce sin? Yes. You get that? Sin produces bad action sometimes. You do know there's like, um, and I'm just kind of learning this right now uh, through a, a, a good friend of mine in North Carolina uh, named Mike. And um, Mike and I are talking every Wednesday morning uh, for about an hour, and he's helping me learn there's good flesh and bad flesh, but none of it is godly. We all know bad flesh. 
don't we? We can sit here and name seven examples of bad flesh, amen? Temper and anger and cussing and, 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 and debauchery and sexual immorality. We could go on and on all day with bad flesh. But you know there's good flesh. Good flesh meaning like um, people-pleasing because that seems good because I'm trying to please people. Or uh, good flesh meaning like, again, trying to be good or for other people's sake or another reason besides just simply being good for, uh, 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 for performance. Or uh, sometimes work, uh, workaholism. That's negative, but it's also positive. Hard work. Come on, guys. So Satan, the master deceiver, can take something that appears good and make it into something that's really kind of takes us away from the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just learning some of this. So, so again, I'm just learning more, a little bit more about good flesh and bad flesh. And so I'll come back at you on that some other time when I'm back, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm still learning this. All I know is I want to be directed by the Holy Spirit. And if I'm directed by the Holy Spirit, then my flesh can't really be at work. And so, and what he says is, is the flesh and the spirit do this. Boom, boom, boom. This is the flesh and this is the spirit right here. And I kind of use this example. You got like flesh, spirit. Boom, boom, boom. And most of our Christian life is very aggravated. Very aggravated, right? Because sometimes we don't know how to starve the flesh or feed the spirit. flesh wins, and sometimes spirit wins, and sometimes it's not because we don't know where. Romans 7, why do I do the things I don't want to do, and why do I not do the things I know I need to do and want to do, right? We must feed the spirit and starve the flesh, crucify the flesh, grow in the spirit. cooperative work that we have with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's job, but you and I got to what? Cooperate. We must cooperate. And how do we cooperate if we don't even know who lives within us who's doing the beating down of our flesh? So when Colossians 3 says, take off the old nature, that doesn't mean that you can do it yourself. It means you allow the Holy Spirit to wash you clean with the, Holy, with the blood, the precious blood of Jesus. But the reasons that we operate the way we do is that, I hope this is making sense. We can change bad habits. What we can't do is crucify the flesh without the power of the Holy Spirit in us. But what we are called to do is abide, pray, surrender, believe maybe fast, uh, as we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us, then we could continue to let him sanctify and sanctify, beating down the flesh. We don't feed the flesh. One of the things you'll see in that last handout is things that are going to hinder the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that's going to hinder the Holy Spirit is your fleshly living, my fleshly living. Oh. So I don't know. I'll share. I don't know if I'll share this t tonight or not. But if I do, you get a you get the first crack at it. And um, I'm just trying to be real and honest with you guys. And and um, yeah, good with time here. But um, 
So, and when I preach, it's just kind of crazy. When I teach and preach, I, I've tried to learn to develop. We'll end this here in just a second. I've tried to learn to develop a real acuity to, to, to a voice that is not mine. You have to, like, pay attention to the voice that's not yours. We all have thoughts that come in our head. But you've got to learn that the thoughts that come to your spirit are different sometimes than thoughts that come to your mind. There's a difference. And you got to learn that. And that's in that last sheet, that last handout. And that's what I just invite you to do as you head home and, and, and you start practicing. How do you hear from I'm still practicing how to hear from the Holy Spirit. And there's times I'm a preaching and, and a teaching that I feel like if you hook my head up to one of those machines that showed brain waves, they put me somewhere. I mean, I just this crazy because I think I hear the Lord in different ways. I'm preaching and teaching and I'm hearing like, okay, say this, and I go here, and like, oh, okay. And so, and it's, I know, I know it is frustrating for sometimes for folk because it's like, okay, okay what, like, like sound, my sound guys or my PowerPoint guys, and, you know, in church, we have 15 PowerPoints, and we go through one. And that's a good day. That's a good day. And uh, they know by now, it's like, yeah, he's got, he's got these slides, but we, if we get the 15, that, that won't happen. But anyway, so. But I just know sometimes the, the Lord, boom, just leads in different. And that's just how he works in me. It could work, he works differently in every, every person. But um, one of the things, so I don't know if I ever had road rage. I don't actually think I have, I don't think I've ever had road rage. But um, <laughs> my worst moment on the road, I-65, traveling from uh, Indianapolis to Fort Wayne. Um, is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, four, uh, or uh, yeah, six, yeah, I think that's right. Or no, 69. Was I on 69? It's 69. Yeah, 69. So I was on size six. I knew there was a six. So I-69, um, there's construction. And, of course, um, you love people who uh, don't go to get over and something. Now I know. No, listen. No debate. No, no, don't break out here in uh, on the last day. <laughs> on, on like, like uh, you might be one of those people. Like, you run right up and boom, you might. God bless you. Bless you. But for me, I, I don't, now I'm, I'm not one who gets in line 17 miles before. I'm not that. But I'm not the one that gets in 1.7 seconds before. I'm not. So I'm somewhere in between. I'm somewhere in between. And I just kind of pay attention. I'm very gentle, you know. Beep, doo, 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 doo. Wave. I like five waves. Anyway, and sometimes I'm even like, you know. So I give the person behind me a lot of, a lot of, a lot of props. One day, <laughs> my at the time, my associate pastor, Tyler, was with me. Oh. Construction, I-69. Friday evening, 7 o'clock, rush hour already still, madhouse. And I see him. I can't see him. I'm paying attention. And actually, uh, the right lane is closing. The left lane's open. I'm already in the left lane, been in the left lane for 100 years. Here comes this guy. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh. And you have to decide, don't you? <laughs> Not today. <laughs> or, 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 like, ah, oh, yes, Holy Spirit. <sighs> you have to decide. You have to decide. You have to decide. And so, so, <laughs> so I did. I chose the latter. 
and laid on my horn for probably three minutes. The dude from Texas, that's all I know. He, he was from Texas. I'm thinking he's going back to the Longhorn State with a with a blast of a horn behind him. Because I was there, and I'm over there, and Tyler's like, his eyes are like. <laughs> and I'm like declaring, this is the horn of the Lord. <laughs> there are a thousand ways that I think the Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives. Amen. And all I know is I don't think that was probably the best Holy Spirit fruit at that moment. Amen? Is that fair? So just, and I wish I could say that was, oh, that was 20 years ago. That was yesterday. Um, <laughs> it's like a, a year or two ago. But anyway, so I'm still growing in this, guys. I'm still growing. But I really want to follow the Spirit, and I want not the flesh and so this is the battle, the flesh and the spirit, the flesh and the spirit. And I just want, I think one of the things, the reason that the flesh wins so often is because we aren't learning more about the spirit and we're not, we're not letting the spirit control us. And so that's why the flesh continues to win. So don't feed the flesh, feed the spirit, starve the flesh, feed the spirit. So verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, so that means when you continue to feed your flesh. So when you feed your flesh, the results are clear, Paul says, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, road rage, quarreling, it's in my Bible, uh, PTV, jealousy, outburst of anger, <coughs> road rage, uh, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's pretty hard right there. 21's like rut row, like, oh, my gosh. I, I wait, whoa. I mean, I, I know I have my flesh moment. I have a friend of mine, uh, he just, his, his phrase is, sometimes you just flesh out. Sometimes you just flesh out. We all flesh out. We just, we have a moment. That does not, ex God is not a schizophrenic God for every moment of your, so get, this is all God. Now, I'm, I say this, and, 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 and you know, I, I won't debate the once saved, always saved today, but, but, um, but I, I will say this. I have uh, talked to a lot of people who think this about God. Act like this is a pencil. A number two, Ticonderoga yellow pencil. Amen? Remember those? Come on. So remember this is, this is a pencil, right? So here's God watching us. All right. Cool. He accepted Jesus. Writing his name in the book of life. Uh-oh. He's on I-69. Yep. That's what I thought. Mm -mm. Oh, wait. He just repented. All right. Put his name back in the book of life. Now, now listen, I don't know. I mean, this is why we have, I have folk that I've talked to in my community and in my church who somehow believe that somehow or another, as I walk this faith out, that if I sin, boom, I'm out of God's grace. And I have to, I have to like, at the end of the night, I give God a list of all my sins that I remember at the end of the day and say, God, please forgive me, because if I die and don't repent of that sin, I'm going to go to hell. That is not living freedom. That is not freedom. That's not grace, and that's not love. Now, can you abuse grace? Absolutely. But can you be too far on that? You can't. 
And so, again, once again, we find ourselves on this ridge line where we just want to make sure. So the, the thing is not necessarily now. I think that's a, that's a dire warning. I don't want to keep practicing. First John talks about the fact that if you keep practicing sin, then how do you say that you've inherited the kingdom of God? Right? I think that's a dire warning for us. Amen? And so that's why born again means there's something in us. So if you keep practicing sin, then that probably means the sin nature has not been cleansed by the blood of the lamb. So you can't say you're born again because you go to church and have a few good habits. You can only be born again by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, applying the blood of Jesus, so you can do the will of the Father, perfect trinity. Right? And so these, but these fleshly moments still come up, so we battle. So this is the tension. This is this beautiful tension, this hard tension we live in. We're born again. We're saved by the power of the Holy Spirit. We continue to be sanctified. We want to be like Jesus. We want to produce fruit, and there's flesh. But we have some cooperative effort in this. Somehow, somehow, we get to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, another good but, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit, this is, you know, cue, boom. Cue vegetables. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gen- goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a good one. We've done uh, in the Joshua Center, uh, and we're going to do this uh, nine-part series uh, on the fruit. So we'll do a video series just like the other one uh, that we're doing. We're doing, we have that on tap to do a nine-part, uh, uh, nine-part study on the fruit of the Spirit. So those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed, imagine this. Why do those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross? Because Jesus Christ took them. I read a quote today. Better his sins on Jesus than your sins. Better your sins on Jesus than your sins on you. Better your sins on Jesus than your sins on you. If your sin is still on you, you cannot enter the kingdom. If your sins are on Jesus... Welcome, well done, good and faithful servant. So that's what this means, verse 24. Since, look, look, so verse 25, 26, we'll wrap up, and then I'll, I'll, I'll allude to a couple of things on that last handout, and that'll be it. Since we are living by the Spirit, do you understand? Since means that, that there's an expectation. You see that? Uh, in my translation, it says, since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. A couple things about this passage in, in this in verse 25. First of all, I think it's, a, it's an expectation. We are supposed to be living by the Spirit. When we're born again, we are supposed, I think Paul and I think all the, uh, the, the inspired authors of Scripture, I think it's, and again, the Word of God is clear, I think. Once we're born again, we are to live by the Spirit. But it also is clear, since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit. So there is, uh, there is some sense here, isn't there, that we can be somehow living by the Spirit but not always following the Spirit. Because otherwise, why would he tell us, since you're living by the Spirit, follow the Spirit? Because if you're living by the Spirit and you, can't only, you can only follow the Spirit if you're living by the Spirit, why would he tell you to do that? Does it make sense? He has to tell you, tell me. If you're being led by the Spirit, then live. If you're living by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. And I think there's that choice. There's that cooperative effort that we get to pay attention to the Holy Spirit more and more. And then, and then finally in verse 26, let's not become conceited or provoke one another uh, to be jealous of one another or be jealous of one another. So, so that's like this, obviously, the, the best 
passage of Scripture. If you want to learn more about the fruit of the Spirit, there you go, right there, Galatians, Galatians 5. Spend some time there. So, All right, um, any questions real quick about fruit? And we're just going to make a couple comments about the last handout you have. Any, any quick questions about the fruit? I'm going to grab one of my handouts real quick. So this is something that we have done, um, put together. We keep adding to it. This is not all, again, just like all of this, it's not all inclusive. We have only a short period of time to teach and preach, and, and so there's a lot of things that we le leave kind of unsaid because we just can't say everything. Um, one of the things that we've just really, one last thing I'll share uh, is I have learned, so about, um, uh, this ties in from last night, so just about a 120-second story here real quick. So about, Three, four years ago, right before COVID, about four years ago, uh, I felt like the Lord, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, my prayer life four years ago, pastor uh, of 20 years ago, for 20 years, pastor for 20 years at that time, 21 years. I admit, 21 years as a pastor, four years ago, my prayer life was stale. <laughs> Hit a wall. Felt like I was praying the same prayers. Felt like I was just kind of, eh. and I've been studying, I've been studying the Holy Spirit uh, for probably eight to 10 years now. But about four years ago. So I felt like, this is just me. This is my story. This is me. But I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you're too comfortable. You're too comfortable. You need to be uncomfortable. Remember suffering night? Remember Wednesday night suffering? We want to be tough. Amen? Said amen. We like our comforts. Amen? We do. But I don't know if our comforts like the Christian life. I think our comforts so many times, um, uh, this is why I would, if I were, if I, if I could make an international mission trip mandatory, I would, I don't, but, but uh, I just think going out and, and watching and seeing a world live is, is, uh, whew, is just is eye-opening and heart-changing, but so the Lord said, I need you to stop sitting in your favorite couch with your books here and your devotions and uh, your favorite hoodie uh, and in your air condition or your heat depending on the weather, and I need you to go outside every morning for your devotion from now. Uh, okay. Now, the first question I ask, Lord, can I take my coffee? Can I wear, yes, I can. You can wear your jammies. So, a long process, but finally I realized I, so in today, four years later, I, my morning starts rain, snow, uh, cold, negative degrees, or blistering degrees, even at 6 in the morning, whenever it is, still can be hot and humid in southern Indiana. I'm outside. Now, there's a covered, I have a covered open porch. I don't have a screened-in porch. I have a covered porch. Rain gets in, snow gets in, and uh, I bundle up. And for 30 minutes, I have my coffee, but I say nothing. I read nothing. I don't look at my phone. I don't take my Bible at that moment. I just sit. And I wait for the Holy Spirit to speak. Now, for 30 minutes, sometimes I hear nothing. But I will tell you, in four years, I have a, uh, I, then after that, uh, after about 30 minutes, I go in, uh, and this is me. 30 minutes, I go in, 
uh, maybe get another cup of coffee because I'm cold or, or whatever or take off my hoodie because now it's gotten warmer. Whatever the case, I go now, I get a couple of devotion books, I get my computer, I get my Bible, and then I come back and for another, about another half an hour to an hour, if I can, if I can, I sit there and I try now to read and, and study. And as I do, in that 30 minutes, guys, I have four years of a journal in my computer of things that I think the Holy Spirit has said. Now, guess what? Everything that the Holy Spirit says is not mean I go out and say it that day. Many things are for me. Many things are for the ministry. Many things are things to come. Uh, that's what Jesus, Jesus just, I, I, I really think that we just don't, one of the keys to developing and cultivating a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit is time and listening. And what do we not do real well at these two? There's two things we don't do well, real well at sometimes. Taking time and listening. Statistics show us, right, like, like 50, 60, 70 percent. I can't remember the percentage now, but some crazy percent of all conversation is predicated on the person listening for response. So if you and I are talking, I'm already li I'm listening to you, but I'm already thinking about my response to what you're saying. And uh, like a high percentage, like 70 percent, you don't hear the last like few whatever y'all some of y'all's heads on. You don't hear. I've seen the same study. You don't hear the last little chunk of what you're saying, even though usually the person is trying to recap the most important thing in the last few chunks of that statement. So while you're trying to say the last important things, I've already got this response. My brain has not heard the last little thing you just said, but that's the most important thing you wanted me to hear. And I'm about ready to respond, and this is where sometimes those conversations, you know, the number one source of marital stress in all, of all, of all, merit, in all marital strifedom, communication. 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 Finances is big, and, and yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, go ahead, Bill. It's so good what you're saying, but the Holy Spirit just reminded me of a scripture, which is 2 Corinthians 13, 14, you know, where the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of God or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. But so that's what it reminded me, you know, our relationship, you know, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That's really good, Bill. So that's 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 the story I want to tell you probably a little longer than 120 seconds. Sorry about that. Um, so embracing the person. And I'm not going to go over any of this really, except this is yours to kind of go through. Um, it, we, it, we've covered a lot of that first page. What That's really who is he. Uh, the second page on when you turn that back page, how do you cultivate a relationship? And those are just things we've learned. You're going to add to this list some of the things you know how to cultivate a relationship. The third page, sins that hinder. The back of that third page or the back of that second page, page four, these are names that could consider. Some of these names are Hebrew names or, or, or um, uh, uh, Greek uh, words and names for the Holy Spirit, the light, mighty wind, consuming fire, the new wine, the flowing river. And you might, and again, you'll find others that, again, maybe that helps you understand who he is. And then the last thing, I'll just turn your attention on the very last page. Um, I would just encourage us. This is what we did as a church. As a church, we committed to a six-month study of all scriptures in both Old and New Testaments about the Holy Spirit. And then we asked folks to just start intentionally reading the Bible through the lens of the Holy Spirit. And we would ask a question, where's the Holy Spirit at work in this passage and in me? 
And so, again, the first reference of the Holy Spirit, Genesis 1-2. The last reference, Revelation 22. So, very first chapter, the very last chapter of the entire Bible. You see the Spirit of God. And so, the, the thing, again, that very next, like the last thing, it says pay attention. Pay attention to where the Holy Spirit might be working. And then are you cultivating, intentionally cultivating a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit, the person who lives within you? So this is for you to take home and, and work through. And, and again, just kind of help you with, uh, this is the things we've learned and we're still learning. We're still learning the person and the power. The uh, last thing I'll say is this, that I really believe that the person of the Holy Spirit is incredibly important. It's the intimacy. It's developing a relationship with the person who lives inside of you. But the power of the Holy Spirit is equally important because that's activity. The Holy Spirit should be actively working in your life, whether it's discernment, fruit, gifts, all the different things that we've talked about and all the things we haven't talked about because we don't have time. The Holy Spirit, it seems to me that the whole of Scripture, especially in the New Testament and especially Jesus' teachings and especially in the post Pentecost church, the focus of the life to please God is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you pay attention in Romans, the first, second night, in Romans uh, 8, um, um, there's a passage that says those who are led by the Spirit please God. And I remember I asked you, who wants to please God? I know we all want to please God, but you got to be led by the Spirit to do so. Because only he Knows how to please God through you. Does that make sense? Anyway, there you go. Any questions? Thoughts? Questions? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, and again, those are things. But he talked about the baptism, Holy Spirit. Um, we um, again just don't have the time to cover all that. We actually do do a study on that. Acts nineteen. Read Acts nineteen. Uh, pair that up with Matthew three and Luke three. So pair up. Uh, I'm a I'm a believer that there is a moment. So the Holy Spirit is working in your life. We've talked about this before. The Holy Spirit, you're not going to be saved without the Holy Spirit hovering, right? Holy Spirit's hovering, right? Holy Spirit's hovering, right? Holy Spirit's hovering. And as the Holy Spirit hovers, right? As the Holy Spirit hovers, Zach, right? Yes. And the Holy Spirit hovers and calls you to a relationship with Jesus, convicts you of your sin. Then, then the Holy Spirit then washes your, your sin nature with the blood of Christ. And then the Holy Spirit is already in you. But as you read through Matthew 3, you read through Luke 3, and you read through Acts 19, and there's other passages, but Acts 19, 1 through 7, is a pretty clear indication there is another moment of time. And we don't debate this necessarily. Some people say there isn't, isn't. I just know that there's at least something there to receive more of the Holy Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit at work for salvation. But it sure seems like you can have more. And that's how I land on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Try not to debate and try not to get into all the kind of hows and wheres and all that. And we have those fun discussions and we can, we can do that. But that's a whole class and that's a whole session all by itself. But I just encourage you to find out. I do think there's more of the Holy Spirit to have, Warren. I do. I don't think you can ever, I don't think you can get to a place in your life. I don't think. I know I'm not, I don't think I can. Ever get to a place in your life where you say you've had enough of the Holy Spirit, right? And so, and, and then when you pair that up with Paul's admonition in Ephesians, get, and, it's, and, and, that, and that Greek says, keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. That word filled means like overflowing, which might refer to like some kind of a spiritual baptism. So I believe in the spirit baptism. I believe in a baptism of the spirit. 
But again, I think there's a lot of connotation. And let's, let's face it, there are a lot of like, you hear baptism of the Spirit, and you probably have at least some thought. You're either like, yeah, or you're like, woo, right? And I think we have to really learn what it really means and what it doesn't mean. We, 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 at our church, we call that myth busting. We just want to break all the myths of what it might mean or what it might not mean. But we also understand, I, I believe the scriptures talk about being baptized in the spirit and being filled in the spirit. Scripture talks about that. So what does that mean? And, and, and ultimately, it just means, do you want more of God's spirit? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, Amy, question. I just was kind of taught that, uh, like the second, what they say we get more of it was as we grow and mature and learn, we get more and more of the spirit. So that was kind of like receiving more of the spirit. So I didn't know if that was a possibility or not. But Great, great point. Um, Again, so is there a moment of time? Uh, there may or may not be. Again, those are these fun questions we can kind of debate on. The bottom line is, for me, uh, as you were saying, are we growing in the spirit? And if we're growing in the spirit, the fruit of the spirit should be producing more and more. Amen? Right? Come on. If we're growing in the spirit, the fruit of the spirit should be more and more growing. Right? So guess what? Whether, we, whether there's a moment of time or whether not, the evidence, the truest evidence of being filled with the Spirit, I read, is fruit, right? You, we must have fruit, and that fruit continues over time. John Wesley would call that the work of sanctification. In fact, John Wesley, so there's a lot of, there's been conflict in the church a thousand times about this whole idea of being baptized in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. John Wesley basically got, basically got kicked out of the Anglican church for two reasons. And he never got kicked out officially. He never got kicked out. But he got kind of like they invited him never to preach in his pulpits anymore. So he didn't get kicked out. You just couldn't preach in the 15 high pulpits, you know, which is why he preached at the bars and the potato fields and people threw potatoes at him. And uh, they did. And so the, 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 the conversation he had, two things that people kind of got on, uh, mad about. One is grace, his doctrine of grace. People didn't like the fact that God was graceful. I don't know about y'all, but praise God, God is graceful. But the God is a God of grace and glory, great old hymn. And so we can't, we, I, I don't want to uh, lazify the grace or, or be, be a, a kind of that, uh, I think, uh, who says it? Is it Dietrich Bonhoeffer? I think that says um, cheap grace. Yeah, cheap grace. Yeah, thank you, uh, Jen. That cheap grace. We don't want cheap and grace, but we sure want a lot of grace. But we don't live into that grace. So the other thing is perfection. John Wesley got into a lot of trouble by talking about perfection. He was the first one who said you don't have to sit. Not, not the first one. Scripture said. But John Wesley got into trouble in the Anglican church for saying you don't have to sin. Think about it, guys. The Anglican church had priests, a hierarchy of priests in a very similar way where, where, where sin was kind of the, no offense, but sin was how you brought people to church. And it still is, but it's not the only thing. So can you live a life of perfection? Can you live a life of perfection? So can you grow, like you were saying, can you grow into a life of fruitfulness by receiving more and more of the Holy Spirit? I sure hope so. Whether you have a moment of time or not, I really believe sometimes we get a little bit, don't shoot me, don't hurt me, uh, hung up on a moment of time versus the fruit. Pam does not have a moment of time. I do. Guess what? 
I hope we're both producing fruit. Make sense? Uh, yes, sir. I think I see a hand over here. Yeah, I just, just a thought on my heart I wanted to share. I'm just falling more in love with the Lord's Prayer all the time. And to get the Holy Spirit involved at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, I just love to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, in my heart, in my life. And Jesus is talking to the Father. And when you invite the kingdom into your life and into your heart, thy will be done, that's immediately getting the Holy Spirit involved. I just want to share that because it's something personal that has really helped me a lot. We just finished a uh, seven-part series, preaching series, just finished it last week on the Lord's Prayer. Just did, just finished. And we talked a little bit similar to that, especially that part. Funny, funny story, 30-second story. I used to pastor those three small country churches. Her name was Sharon. She sat in about the third pew, and we would do the Lord's Prayer every Sunday morning. And I always heard that she dropped out at, da-da-da, uh, Father, heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth is that she drops out. I mean, it's 30 people in the church. I know. I'm hearing her. She's right here. We had, they had us over for supper one night, and uh, uh, Dwayne and Sharon, great people, great people. I said, Sharon, can I ask, you, I, do you dropped out every time you prayed that prayer. What, why, every time we prayed, you drop out. She said, well, I figure if I don't say it, he won't hold me to it. <laughs> okay, thanks for being honest. There's a hand right here, man. Holly, all right. Um, I'm just thinking about the part about fruit only, you only see the fruit at a certain time of year. And like in Psalms 1, it says like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Yeah, yeah, I talk about seasons. But, you know, sometimes I wonder, too, if we're judging other people and not seeing fruit. But maybe it's a different season for them. Maybe it's spring when there's a blossom instead of a fruit or something. Or in the winter, things can look dead, but, you know, maybe the roots are growing or something like that. So do you think, I don't know, it seems like there's something about it being a fruit that it's also also seasonal and doesn't look the same throughout the year. I don't know. Holly, that's great. And we had that similar discussion yesterday. And, uh, and, uh, I think we have to be careful. One of the things we talked about briefly last night is the wor word good. Uh, Romans 8, 28, God uh, and all things God uh, makes good, right, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I think we've got to be really careful defining good. Just like fruit, I think we've got to make sure the fruit is God's definition. So sometimes in those desert wilderness moments, right, the fruit is just what? Trusting. The fruit is sometimes being patient, right? The fruit is faithfulness. One of the greatest fruit of all, I think, is faithfulness. And faithfulness may, may not produce these big cherries all the time. At some point, it will. So I think that's a good word. Let's let God define what fruit really means. And let's be careful we don't judge people by their – and the Scripture says you'll know them by their fruit. But let's make sure God is, is defining the word fruit. Good word. Yes, sir. Yeah, so if we're supposed to live by the Spirit and we walk by the Spirit. So my take is like – well, how do we do that? How do we get started with that? How do we do a better job at that? So I'll do a small impersonation of you. <laughs> hey, guys, you got to get this. So get this. So here's, so here's, here's my few words to take from this. So 
how do we get started? Well, so first thing is, is we're going to have to recognize him and then acknowledge him. And now get this, guys, too, as well. So you look up synonyms for these words that I'm giving you. Recognize and acknowledge. And then, then how do you, how do you uh, move forward from that? Then you're going to dedicate yourself, you're going to uh, devote yourself, and you're going to discipline yourself to it. And then, then, then and I like the other words you, s- you, words you used up there earlier was, how do we do this? You, get, you cooperate with him. You, you join in with him. You participate, yes. <laughs> That's good. That's a good impersonation, I guess. Um, wow, I think. Uh, I love you guys so very much. I think all of us have um, ways that we can develop. The heart is, are you? Just making sure that we are developing, uh, cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit, recognizing, uh, reading Scripture. Make sure, guys, uh, uh, as best as we know, make sure that biblically sound understanding, but he can work in our lives in so many different ways. I think sometimes we just simply don't recognize or pay attention. So one of the key words we use at our church is just pay attention. Pay attention where the Holy Spirit might be working. Yeah, I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to tell tell everybody this. A dangerous part of it is to be satisfied where you're at. The Lord convicted me back in 1980. He says, I'm satisfied where I'm at when I was seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord says, you'll never grow. He says, if you're satisfied where you're at, you will never grow. So that's a dangerous ground. So I had to repent. Yeah. Um, really good word, Bill. Really good word. Don't be satisfied. Be content. You know, there's a difference between content and satisfied. Be content is you're trusting God with right now where you are. Being satisfied leads, I think, to spiritual laziness, where it's just like, hey, I'm good where I'm at. <clears throat> you want more. Somebody said that earlier. You want more. You want more of the Holy Spirit. You want more of Jesus, right? You want more of the Father. You want more, and you want more love and more grace and more power and more intimacy. And that will produce somehow or another, Holly, that will produce more fruit somehow in season, in due season, right? So, yeah, want more. Hunger, hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for for, for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hmm. Filled with who? Holy Spirit, maybe. Anyway. It is lunchtime. Last word right here. It is lunchtime. Sorry, guys. I've always loved people. And I guess coming camp here helps me love people even more. And I just want to know how to receive it better. With Tim speaking, it hit a lot home for me. And... I work second shift, so I didn't get to come to the evening services, but I wish I could have. What is your name? Morgan. I love your name. Love you. Oh, my gosh. I will pray us out and uh, pray for lunch. Love you guys for all of your participation, your engagement, and most of all for your love. I have felt loved here this week like like really none other in a long time. And, uh, man, you just uh, you make it really hard to leave. Lord Jesus, we love you, and we thank you, and we praise you for the word of God. We thank you for the heart of God. We thank you for the spirit of God. We thank you for the fruit of God, and we thank you for the work of God in our lives. Holy Spirit, we want more. We want more. We will learn to be content, like Paul said, but we don't ever want to be satisfied. So that tension, that tension. We're content with our lives where God has us at this moment, but we also have that desire. We want more of your spirit, more of the love of God, more of the love of Jesus, and more of the fruit 
in due season. So we pray that you'll increase the fruit of the spirit in our lives. And that would mean that we would be increasing in the amount of the spirit in our lives in some sense or form. Um, Lord, uh, we love you so much. We thank you for this time. And uh, may we continue um, to surrender and uh, trust you. It really comes down to trusting a good and gracious God who wants to give us more of his spirit. We love you in trust and pray. Good lunchtime in food and fellowship and the rest of this day as this week draws to a close. But our journey with you simply continues. In Jesus, your mighty name. Amen. Love you guys.